Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. And my first story is robot news. Beep boop bop. Uh, this is from Engadget. Ford wants this creepy robot to bring its autonomous deliveries to your door. Sounds fun. I'm excited. <laughs> Let's see it. Have you seen I, <laughs> no, oh, I have, I'm I definitely going to show you a video of this robot as okay. part of this because it is... Is it actually creepy? It's kind of creepy. Um... So autonomous deliveries and self-driving vehicles may be the future, but there are still a few gaps to be addressed, namely that it's not always possible for people to leave their homes or uh, to retrieve deliveries from the roadside. Yeah, Fair. makes sense. Um, however, Ford is working on a solution for this final stretch. Uh, Digit is a two-legged robot created by Agility Robotics designed to get your delivery from a car to your door. Announced earlier this year, but now operational, the robot folds up in the back of a self-driving vehicle, ready to unfurl itself when it arrives at the delivery destination. And yeah, it's as creepy as it sounds. I it will unfurls it's, itself? It's part of the video, which will be Ooh. in the link that we will obviously include in the show notes, as always. Um, according to the press release, Digit not only resembles the look of a person, but walks like one too. Oh, Which is no. debatable. It really doesn't look like or walk like one. Oh, okay. it's It's upsetting. Uh, Digit can lift packages that weigh up to 40 pounds, walk up and down stairs and across even terrain, and can maintain its balance in the event of a bump. So it's able to walk pretty well. Um, kind of reminds me of those Boston Dynamics ones you see where they can like push it over and it can right itself. Yeah. Um, upon arrival, the car builds a detailed map of its surroundings, then wireless, wirelessly shares that with Digit. So it like maps the 3D uh, space around it and then... Hmm. Through this data, D uh, Digit and the vehicle can work collaboratively to identify the most efficient delivery pathway, which I think is kind of cool. So it like, maps yeah, its surroundings and then uses that to like dynamically determine where the robot should go. I'm going to show cool. you a video of it now. Okay. Okay, Anthony just showed me the video. Yes. It is kind of creepy. I think it could be a lot creepier. It's not like all the way. That's fair. I mean, they made it like a nice pastel color. Yeah. Like so the helps. color of it, it's like blue calming. Yeah. I'm sure there was a, that was intentional. Mm -hmm. I did notice though that they had this really upbeat, happy music behind the video showing this. And I think if that music was like <laughs> an ominous music, this robot would be really, really creepy. Even yeah. with the pastel colors and the stuff. The way that it gets so. out of the car just makes me uncomfortable. I don't know why. It's like the trunk pops open it, like, and then just like this robot just unfolds it, into like, the street. <laughs> it unfolds and it has sort of like a human-like shape. Yeah. And then it just walks down the sidewalk slowly and methodically. And it's just like, ooh. My favorite part of the video, though, is there's this like these this mother and daughter walking past as the robots go in the street. And they just kind of look at it like with a smile. But like it felt very uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, that Just felt like, a little bit oh, like... Oh, hey, robot. Like, uh, shoo let's, let's shoehorn a scene of like average people just being fine with this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just, to, just to reinforce how you should react yes, when you see when it. when you see just this like, on the road. Oh, this is one of the good ones, I hope. Yeah, so th that's interesting. Yeah. I So it seems like a lot of different companies are kind of attacking this from different perspectives. Yeah, they mentioned that in the article. There's actually a lot of companies that are mm. trying the autonomous thing. Yeah. And a lot of states have actually passed legislation allowing robots on sidewalks. Really? Specifically permitting it. So hmm. to I enable this kind of thing. Well, I just don't know. 
like if I had to pick between something that was like a cute little like like a box that would like roll up to your door and then like unlock and then you could like get something out of it or something like that mm-hmm. versus this thing, <laughs> I'd probably choose the first thing. Yeah. I don't like humanoid shapes. <laughs> no, that sounded weird. I just I just think that like having human shaped robots human shaped robots like show up at your front door is just a little bit I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. Yeah. It does feel a little farther future than I think we're ready for, maybe. It's just a big leap. It's I think eventually leap. we'll from, be there. From but... no rob robots to people robots. Yes. I, I think that's bit. that's yeah. kind of what I'm getting at. Like it's I get it's, that. it's a really big leap for me, so I don't know. I I personally think it's kind of cool, but this one is creepy. Maybe put googly eyes on it. That would be pretty. <laughs> that would be pretty good. Um, is it just like bouncing along? Just <laughs> it has a bobblehead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, do that too. That'd be fun. Yeah. Okay, my first story is a random local news story. This is from UPI.com. Officials in Houston are asking neighbors to check inside their storm drains after a big screen TV was found clogging one such drain in the city. Uh, also, side note, do people call TVs big screen TVs anymore? I just assume they're just all TVs. Aren't they all they're all pretty big now. Big? Like, yeah. They say that multiple times in this. I don't know why. Uh, like, probably because they didn't know how to react to one being in a sewer. <laughs> <laughs> a resident of the Greensbrook Place neighborhood said the TV had been in the storm drain for some time before it was removed by a Harris County Precinct 1 crew. I don't know, like a road crew or some people. Hmm. Um, Neighbors said the TV was the largest object they had ever seen in a storm drain. (laughs) Sure. Uh, (laughs) This is a quote. I mean, clothes, backpacks, bags, whatever, but I've never seen anything as big as a TV in a storm drain. Is this just a random local resident? Yes. (laughs) Are you often poking so, around the storm drains in yeah, your so city? Yeah, <laughs> so for some context, the reason that this was found is because the residents are, they're actually like proactively checking the drains for things to that could clog them oh, because okay. this is an area that has flooded before. Gotcha. So, okay. That makes a little more sense. It's just seems kind of weird that so many people in this town are... Right. <laughs> it's like, how do you know this? <laughs> how many things yeah, have you pulled so out of a storm the drain? the reason. Um, apparently, the county commissioner um, in that area had actually urged residents to like proactively check storm drains for for debris and stuff yeah. um as like just a proactive measure just in case a storm happens next like hurricane season or whatever and then right. like, to, to help prevent like stuff being clogged and prevent flooding and stuff so Makes sense. so that's why so they've been checking it and they found a um a 40 inch flat screen tv in the drain how did it get in there they don't know they don't know how it got in there <laughs> no one knows how it got in there that's the mystery how do you think it got in there i'm trying to picture a 40 inch screen even if you had it like flat and were shoving it into the storm drain like i'm picturing like a like a narrow grate i yeah. assume yeah that's so what's it's going on like a, it's like a slit you know yeah. So if it was flat on the ground it probably could have slid into there that feels deliberate though i don't think like it, like it would have to be in that exact like in that exact position to go to i kind of made that conclusion too but you think a person put a tv down a storm drain why would you do that i don't know because then i think that and i'm like i can't answer i can't answer how how would it be an accident though 
I don't know. It was in some it would have to trash like, and it, it like was raining. It falls off the back fell. of a truck and just and, and like perfectly just like slides I don't in. Know. It could happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think it had to be know. a person trying to get rid of it, and for some reason they didn't want to throw it out normally. That's the only way I can see. That thing ending up in there. Can you imagine? This is doing a weird. This like is a weird hill to die on, but like just, it, I just, it was deliberate. <laughs> Can you imagine just being like, "What do I do with this trash? This large object? Well, let me just stuff it down the storm drain." Can you imagine being that person? I just I, I can't know. personally, bizarre. but I can imagine that person it's existing. It's bizarre. Yeah. So so yeah, you never know what's what's down there. Red balloons, TVs. Either or. Probably just stay out of storm drains, though. Yeah, probably. And don't Unless put things in them. Reason. Yeah. Yeah, don't deliberately put things in them. Yeah. Yeah. My next story is food news. <laughs> this comes from The Guardian. Bel- uh, Belgian monks resurrect 220-year-old beer after Ooh. finding recipe. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it has taken more than 220 years, but an order of monks at Grimbergen Alley, uh, Abbey, not Alley, <laughs> they're not in an alley, they're in an Abbey, uh, producers of a, fab- a fabled medieval beer have started to brew again after rediscovering the original ingredients and methods in their archives. Um, uncasking the huh. first glass, the Abbey's sub-prior, Father Carol, uh, oh boy, Stoutimus, Stoutimus, luckily I don't say his name anymore. Uh, said the <laughs> development was the culmination of four years of research into the methods of monks that beer that beard brew, who that brewed beer in the uh, Norbertine minus monastery before it was burned down by French revolutionaries in 1798. The monastery was later reinstated, but the brewery and its recipes were thought to be lost. The newly produced beer is strong at 10.8% alcohol by volume. So Whoa. it's a pretty, uh, pretty strong beer. Yeah. Um, the source of inspiration for the new microbrewery, located on the same spot as the original, was the discovery from 12th century books of details about the original monks' brewing methods, specifically their use of hops rather than fermented herbs, which put the monks ahead of many of their contemporaries. Back then, it was apparently more common to make beer with fermented mm. herbs as opposed to hops, okay. which are obviously very common today. Yeah, uh, The books were saved in the 18th century when the fathers knocked a hole in the library wall and secretly removed them before the abbey was set on fire. Whoa! This is such a cool story. That's it's just so like, cool! This, like ancient intrigue to, to protect these documents. Yeah. Um, the lack of artificial additives, use of wood barrels, and exploitation of particular local soil is being emulated in this new beer. Uh, they said they're not making it exactly like they used to because apparently back then beer was kind of tasteless. Uh, one person referred to it as liquid bread, um, so they're they're not we, like emulating it perfectly. We've actually made some but, since then to make it. But those better. are yeah. But those are the, some things that they're sticking to, and um, like they're following the recipe and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grimbergen was founded in 1128. Just just in the U.S., that is such an incomprehensibly <laughs> long time ago. Um, wow. But it burned down three times in all which gave it oh. its symbol of a phoenix and the motto, Ardet Nec Consumitor, Burned But Not Destroyed, which I thought oh, was really cool. Oh, how very Game of Thrones-esque. Right? Yes. It's such, a cool, it's such a cool story overall. Yeah. I really want to, I want to try this beer now, but it's, they're only distributing it uh, locally. Mm-hmm. So. Where's this monastery again? Uh, Belgium. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll just have to go to Belgium. We'll just have to go to Belgium, Nick-nack I guess. news in Belgium. Nick-nack news goes to Belgium. <laughs> 
the episode you've all been clamoring for. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we can have uh, f- uh, French fries, yep. which are actually like originated there, even though we call them French fries. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Belgian th- chocolate, Belgian yeah. waffles. So many things. So many Belgian things. We could just do food news. I kind of just want to go there right now. That would be awesome. One day. One day. One day. Maybe. Okay, my next story is entertainment news. This is from CNN. We are just one month away from the release of Toy Story 4. What? Did you know that? That's fast. Right? I knew it was coming. I guess I hadn't paid much attention to the release date. Yeah, it's coming out in theaters on June 21st. Wow. So very soon. Yeah. So they just recently dropped a second trailer. There was a first trailer that I actually hadn't seen, but mm-hmm. they just dropped a second one now. Um, and there is a new character that they revealed called Duke Kaboom, who is a stunt toy voiced by actor Keanu Reeves. Isn't wow, they've fun? got some crazy voice talent in that show <laughs> yeah. or that movie. Yeah. That's, that's wild. Um, according to the two trailers, the film centers around Kaboom and another new toy, a spork named Forky. <laughs> yep. Voiced by Tony Hale from Veep. Uh, and Arrested Development. Yeah, yeah. Forky is not sure if he's a fork or a spoon and is going through a bit of a crisis because he's not ready to join this lovable toy gang. <laughs> so that's what we know about the movie so far. So um, yeah, I'm I, excited. I saw the first trailer. Okay. Which is where they, I think, formally introduced Sporky. Yeah. Or Forky, sorry. Forky, yeah. And I, I'm, gonna, I'm contributing <laughs> to his identity crisis right here. Um, but it... it when they first announced they were doing Toy Story 4, I had a lot of mixed feelings about it because I was like, oh, but it's so good how it is right now. Yeah. You don't need to do this. But I don't know. It seems like it might be they've, cute. They've managed to make three really good movies in the franchise. So, yeah, I guess just keep making them until they're bad. Yeah, I as don't long know. As, see, I don't like that. I though. don't like when that happens, I don't but like I feel like happens. that's kind of inevitable. As long as they can keep up the high bar of quality. Yeah. Obviously, I'm fine with it. It's just that I don't. I don't know. It makes me nervous. From the first trailer, it looked like weirdly intense for a Toy Story movie. I oh, thought. you thought that? I thought, yeah. Or at least maybe the mu- it was just the music choices thought, and things. Mm, but I thought that they were giving away too much of the plot in the trailers, yeah. actually. That's what I thought. I always feel that way about trailers, though. It's like, I want to just, I want to like, see the movie. Don't show me the entire me, thing. <laughs> yeah, you're showing me all these like funny moments and stuff. And like, that's going to ruin it for when I actually yeah. <laughs> see it. <laughs> I don't know. We'll maybe, see. Maybe I, I just I'm, won't watch the second trailer. That's fine. I keep it secret. Keep it safe. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I guess I'm excited, but... <laughs> Most... <laughs> I guess I'm excited. Like, I... I <laughs> gun to my head, honest. I'm excited. Like, <laughs> just being honest. <laughs> my next story is AI news. I stole your category. Nice. Uh, is from the New York Post. Google's new AI is better at detecting lung cancer than doctors. <gasps> They've done it. They've done it. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, in a new research paper, an algorithm developed by uh, in a partnership between Google and medical professionals has demonstrated its incredible accuracy at detecting lung cancer. The paper, published in Nature Medicine, which is not what AI is, uh, reveals that the AI is, in some ways, even more accurate than trained radiologists at spotting the telltale signs of cancer in medical scans. 
Like several other deep learning algorithms tested for use in medical fields, the computer brain in this study was trained using scans from past lung cancer screenings. Then it was tasked with judging over 6,700 cancer screening scans to see just how accurately it could spot cancer that doctors already knew was present, and it achieved an impressive 94.4 accuracy in that round of testing. So this is after its initial wow. training, but then and then looking at scans that uh, they already knew had cancer in it, or mm-hmm. whether it had cancer in it. Um, the algorithm was then pitted against human, the human brains of six radiologists to see how skilled both the computer and the humans were at detecting cancer in slides that they had never seen before. In screening data sets where additional su- uh, supplemental information in the form of tomography scans was available for the radiologists, the computer performed similarly to the professionals. However, in cases where the additional tomography data was not available... The AI handily bested its human counterparts, outperforming all six of them with 11% fewer false positives and 5% fewer false negatives. Wow. Yeah. So, wait, when additional data? So, they had, you mean? so in um, one like set of data, they had this supplemental tomography information. Okay. But, uh, and they were able, the computer performed about as well as the radiologists in that situation. Okay. But in the case where they didn't have that extra data, the computer performed better. So, like, that's pretty cool because that, like, the fewer scans you have to do, the better for the patient. Um, Doctors aren't getting replaced anytime soon, of course, because cancer will always require a doctor's touch. Correct. Um, But by combining the experience of a human doctor with the brains of a deep learning algorithm, it's likely that fewer errors in diagnosis will be made, resulting in better quality of life for all of us. So, I really like that aspect of it, like the idea of pairing AI with humans yes. to like, even as a sanity check, I think it's, there's a lot of value in that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And computers are just good at this thing at identifying patterns in images, like and identifying patterns in general. That's kind of what they excel at. So that kind of thing really excites me. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, this is interesting to me too, because like, a lot of people are looking at lung... You said it was lung cancer, Lung right? cancer specifically, yeah. That is a big topic in research, lung specifically. And the reason is because there's data available to do this training for lung. Yeah. For whatever reason, there's just more of that data available. So everyone's like super focused on lung right now. There's like obviously so many different applications of this, right? And it's right. like... It's, There's yeah, so many ways you could use part this. Part of the limit and, is the is the is the availability availability yes, of data. Yes, that's so important is yeah. having good data. So we should probably yeah. mention that like the reason you know that this is a popular topic is because <laughs> we work for a company that <laughs> like deals with medical deals imaging. With medical so imaging. like so I this is one place where I we mean, actually I, speak from some amount of knowledge. We actually, <laughs> wow, we actually are medical scientists. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. About, you want to go that far? <laughs> no. Um, um, no, but I, I, yes, because it's related to my job. I follow news about like AI related to medicine specifically. So yeah, that's why I know that. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, that's cool because most people that try to do this. Or, okay, the papers that come out that have really good results, it's usually like we've achieved about equivalent or like just under what a radiologist can do. Like that's the common yeah. kind of result. So that, it, that they, if they came up with something that was actually better than radiologists, that's mm-hmm. pretty um, groundbreaking. Yeah. I, I, I always think that it's just so fascinating because it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's only going to get better too. 
That's the cool yeah. thing about AI. It's only going to improve. Yep. We're only going to improve the algorithms yep. and the training is like the more you train it, the better it gets. Like that's exactly. just how it works. It's mm-hmm. ah, it's not it's not <laughs> it's not like humans where like training can only benefit them to a certain point. Like computers will always be constantly improving. That's just by their nature. Yeah. Yeah. Which Well, because ah. you know, it's it's <laughs> it's actually taking the knowledge of many, many people and like combining it mm-hmm. into one thing. Yep. It's the ultimate group mind. Yeah. It's this yeah. It's like taking a bunch of people's knowledge and like that's it's the same as if you had six radiologists all in a room reading it together, you know? Right. Or ten or whatever. And it's just like you keep adding more and more minds to it and eventually it's like this awesome knowledge source, you know. That can do all this way faster than any human could ever yeah. do. And yeah, of course you still are gonna need doctors to be looking oh, at stuff yeah. and doing all that. Like that no, it's, it's not gonna replace anyone. It's I can't just, I can't imagine a future where we wouldn't have a doctor also looking at the yeah, things. Yeah. You have to have humans looking at things. So there's always gonna be like mm-hmm. weird anomalies and stuff that the computer doesn't know it hasn't to, been trained on right so yeah. we cool. could talk, we could literally talk yeah, about this for hours but we, we should not <laughs> we can move on okay my next story is fashion news i think that's a new topic a first for, for yeah. our show <laughs> <laughs> this is from bbc uh John Vinding, chairman of the... <laughs> I'm sorry. Of, I'm sorry. That's a great name, though. I like it when I have great names in my stories. Two uh, episodes in a row now, great names. Oh, no, it's it's Joe. I'm sorry, I misread it. Joe? G-O-H. It's spelled G-O-H. I thought it said John. Okay. But it's okay. That's G-O-H. fair. G-O-H. Yeah. Joe. Joe. I mean, it works. It's- Joe Vinding... Joe Vinding, chairman of the Fur Free Alliance or FFA, has announced this. The Prada Group, with its brands, now joins a growing list of fur-free brands that are responding to consumers' changing attitudes towards animals. Hmm. The FFA is a coalition of more than fifty animal protection organizations. Animal fur will not be used in Prada's designs or new products, but items already made will continue to be sold. This is a quote from Prada. Focusing on innovative materials will allow the company to explore new boundaries of creative design while meeting the demand for ethical products. The change will take effect in the spring-summer of 2020 in their women's clothing, and it also covers the brands Mew Mew, <laughs> Churches, and mm-hmm. Car Shoe, which are all brands I've never heard of but apparently are owned by Prada. <laughs> is Car Shoe just spelled Car Shoe? It is. It is spelled that way. Interesting. Yeah. Never heard of that. Sounds like you're saying cashew weird. Car shoe. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's literally, it's two words. Car shoe. Wow. Have you ever heard of that? No. Like, what is this? This Prada. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not, I'm not like into this stuff, so I don't know. But yeah. um, Last year, British luxury goods maker Burberry, Burberry, never know how to pronounce that, announced it would (laughs) stop. This is not the first time on the show either, is it? Yeah, we had that where we've had this the the one about the the ten thousand dollar gift cards. Remember, (laughs) remember that? Yeah, Burberry. (laughs) Is it Burberry or Burberry? I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, because I don't know about fashion. Yeah. Well, them they announced it would stop (laughs) using real fur and its products and would phase out existing fur items as well. Um, and also luxury fashion brand Gucci stopped using fur in its spring summer twenty eighteen collection. So all of the big 
fashion designers are now stopping using animal fur in their products. Finally. I didn't realize that so many brands still were. I guess it was mostly the luxury ones. It's the luxury ones, yeah. But I feel like we've gotten really good at making faux fur at this point. It just seems so unnecessary. That's what I think, too. Like, I I don't know. I, I can't imagine that they used a lot of it in their products, but I think they're just, like, switching to, like, no, we're just going to, like, stop all of it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, good. Like, I don't think, like, fur coats are, like, a thing anymore, yeah. right? Hopefully. I, mean, I, man, I don't know. People probably, I'm sure people still have them, but, but I don't. I, I think that they used, I think these brands used real animal fur in stuff like, I don't know, like linings, mm. like hoods of things, maybe like that kind of that stuff. That especially seems like a waste because you don't even see it then. I know. It's like, this, this is dumb. This yeah. isn't, yeah. So, I don't know. Anyway, they're stopping. They're getting on this bandwagon. So, I thought that was cool. Yeah, that's nice. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know why I'm I'm more opposed to fur than I am to meat, even though they both involve killing animals. But well, this is an interesting question. Probably because I don't consume fur and I do consume meat. <laughs> because you could argue that if you used an animal's fur for like a very necessary piece of clothing for yourself, you were like using it for something meaningful, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're using it for something that's just like, oh, I just have this cool thing and like you don't like it's just a status symbol it's just yeah then that's that leads to me feeling like okay that was unnecessary and if you're using an animal to like eat it you're using it for your own sustenance you're like that's a good way to think about it like back before we invented synthetic fabrics like yeah you didn't have a lot of choices except right i mean leather used to be a huge thing that people (laughs) used for clothing because Mm -hmm. it was that's what you had that's the material you had now Mm. we have other options we don't have to like pleather which is a word i hate (laughs) You brought it up. I mean, I don't know. I, yep. I, I made my bed. I'll lie in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's time for breaking news. The part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or just posted today and we read them to you on the fly. Although we should tell you. Yes, I was about to say. <laughs> that um, we're going on vacation again. So next, when you're hearing this, this actually was recorded a week ago. Yeah. So, so it's not really going to be. It won't be super breaking. Yeah. So. Sorry. Sorry about that, but we're being upfront about it, so it'll be about a week old. Hopefully you all are okay with that. Honesty is the best policy. Yeah. (laughs) But we're still going to go through the same thing where we're going to look up stuff right now, so. All right. Ready, set, go! Go! Uh, Okay, I found this story on Ars Technica. Billion-year-old fossils may be early fungus. Wow. (laughs) Right. That's kind of my reaction too. (laughs) Um, So there are studies that suggest that fungi may have originated earlier than animals, but we really have never had proof of that because the fossil record isn't very good at preserving fungus. Mm. Um, But a new paper out today in uh, the magazine Nature or the paper, I guess it's probably a magazine. It says Today's Nature. I hope that's a magazine. Uh, (laughs) I haven't read a magazine in years. Wait, Uh, if it's Today's Nature, the journal Nature? Is it a journal? Maybe that's the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, in it, (laughs) uh, a small team of researchers described fossils of what appear to be fungi that could be up to a billion years old. 
uh, and the researchers back up the appearance, the appearance with a chemical analysis. Uh, the fossils come from an area on Canada's northern Arctic uh, coast. The fossils themselves were discovered by dissolving the minerals that contain them with acids, and then with the rocks gone, um, a large collection of small fossils floated free in like the solution that they used. Hmm. Um, visually, these microfossils look like a partially deflated balloon with a stalk at its base. Uh, here's a picture. Whoa. Pretty, pretty accurate description, I'd say. Yeah. Um, which is apparently pretty similar to the structure of some modern fungi. Okay. Um, which I, I'm guessing is where they first suspected that's what they were looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's startling, they say, is how old these fossils are. Uh, while the layer they reside in hasn't been subject to dating, um, nearby layers have, and a layer below has been identified as being much as much as a billion years old. So it's very unusual that they would find fungus this old in the fossil record, like at all. Like wow. this is just totally unprecedented. Um, so they want to support the claim that it's actually fungus um, because obviously there's going to be skepticism that they even found this. Uh, the researchers took a cl- uh, closer look at the cell wall using an electron microscope and showed that like a fungus, the cell wall is bilayered. And chemically, the wall looks like it contains derivatives of chitin, which is a complex polymer of sugars that forms in the cell wall of modern fungi. So hmm. this is kind of the evidence that they're that they're leaning on to support this. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> it's fun. It's really it's old fungus. fungus. It's old fungus. Yeah, it's really, really old. It's older than we've ever seen fungus before. It's the oldest fungus you've ever seen. It's the oldest fungus I've ever seen. We've never seen fungus as old. <laughs> <laughs> we have never seen fungus this old. Yeah, so it, it just offers, I mean, presumably a lot of clues into like the early formation of multicellular life, really. Yeah. Because like we don't really have mm-hmm. a lot of evidence of that outside of animal fossils mm-hmm. because those tend to be preserved better. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was cool. fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Well, I found something on NASA.gov. Um, get this. NASA is giving the public an opportunity to send their names stenciled on chips to the red planet with NASA's Mars 2020 rover which represents the initial leg of humanity's first round trip to another planet. The rover is scheduled to launch as early as July of 2020, with the spacecraft expected to touch down on Mars in February of 2021. Uh, The rover is a robotic scientist weighing more than 2,300 pounds, and it will search for signs of past microbial life, um, collect samples for future return to Earth, and pave the way for human exploration of Mars. Whoa. Um, so basically from now until September 30th, you can add your name to a list, um, and obtain a souvenir boarding pass to Mars. And then they, they're going to stencil, like if you submit your name to this thing, they're going to like micro stencil your name onto this like metal chip and it's going to be on the Rover. And then you'll technically be on Mars. Yeah. Is it free? I think it's free. I don't what? think you have to. I'm definitely doing it then. <laughs> you just have to submit it to like a website. Or something. Um, I want to be on Mars. It says that the um, the lab at NASA will use an electron beam to stencil the submitted names onto a silicone chip with lines this, uh, of text smaller than one thousandth the width of a human hair. 
<laughs> 75 so, nanometers. So my name won't be big on Mars. At that size, more than a million names can be written on a single dime-sized chip. <laughs> <laughs> the chip or chips will ride on the rover under a glass cover. Okay. So it'll be there, but not really readable. That's fine. It's the thought that counts. I still think it's cool. And I don't think you have to pay anything. I mean, it doesn't say that here, but it, it also had this whole thing about, like, you can get, like, points or something for doing, for, like, engaging with NASA stuff. Like, so I don't, now I'm like, wait, maybe Do I have they to are... earn points to get my name on there? No, I don't think so. I think if you submit your name, you get points. What do the points do? I don't know. It says they have <laughs> frequent flyer points. Like, what does that even mean? Like, I'm not often using NASA as part, a, as transportation. Part so. of a public engagement campaign. Okay. I don't know what that is. Whoever gets the most so. points is going to Mars, whether they want to or not. <laughs> <laughs> you just get like a phone call like, hello, you have the most points of all of our uh, fans out there. So uh, you're going to Mars. Uh, please report to <laughs> this center and you're going to Mars. Do not resist. I don't know. You're going to Mars. I, I, I'm getting more and more curious now what the frequent flyer points are for NASA. I mean, yeah. I want a free trip on a spaceship. Do you? I would want it to just go up in the air and then just come back down and like not actually go anywhere. Okay. In space. That's, fair. <laughs> that's the most I'd be willing to do. And even <laughs> then I don't think I would. Like, because I don't actually want to go into space because that's really, really, really terrifying. Yeah, I'd be too scared. It's like how I don't want to bungee jump until I'm like really old. Just in case. <laughs> what about skydiving? Same. Yeah. Me too. I'll Me bungee too. jump from a plane. It's too risky. And then if the rope snaps, I'll be skydiving. <laughs> so bungee jump from a plane. <laughs> Oh man. And if they take me up into space, then hey, there's three three for one. There you go. Yep. All right. All the things I want to do before I die. Yeah. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever other app you'd like to use. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews and on Twitter at, at knickknacknews. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.